Welcome to the City on a Hill Church Forest Hills podcast. We exist to see our neighbors from every culture follow Jesus as King. We're glad you're here and thanks for listening. More information about the life and mission of City on a Hill can be found at coahforesthills.org. All right. Um, hopefully everybody can hear me. Uh, thanks for having me, Stephen um, and uh, Koa. For Stills family, it's good to good to see some faces I haven't seen in a while. Um, this is actually a little bit of a new experience for me because I I am more used to uh, preaching to a black box that stares at me and gives me nothing. So it's great to actually see uh, see some faces today uh, to get to to speak with you. Um, I was it was a joy to be with you the first part of the service. I am going to have to take off immediately after I'm done preaching. So it's not that I I'm I'm just like you know uh, a VIP and I have to like you know leave. Uh, but I literally do have another speaking. <laughs> uh, I've got to head to the 133 uh, to, to do our uh, Facebook Live today. So um, if you didn't understand what I say in my sermon, just tune in there, you know, in about an hour and uh, you can listen again and be more confused. But uh, <laughs> um, so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through uh, 23. Just looking at this next to the last uh, passage in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And so <clears throat> wanted to. Have you go ahead and flip there? The uh, it was last year. Uh, something happened to me. It never happened to me in my life. And and even though uh, I had flown many many times, I'd never missed a flight. Uh, and it happened last year as I was um, <laughs> I was exhausted. I, I was running a little bit late. The security line was ridiculously long, and I, I ended up getting to the gate about twenty minutes before the flight took off. And you know, I, I, I walked up, and you know, there were a ton of people just sitting there at the gate, and no one was moving. So I was like. Okay, uh, I guess they're running late. I looked up on the sign on you know the the, the display. It didn't say anything uh, except the flight info. No one was announcing anything. I did notice that the jetway door was open, but I simply figured they were running behind and getting ready to start uh, loading people here in a minute. Um, so I sat down and I pulled my phone out and started um, you know just like texting and you know looking at Twitter and stuff. And next thing I know, they shut the jetway door. And I run over to the counter and they're like, oh, yeah, the flight's taken off. Uh, and so I had sat there and, and literally missed missed my flight, um, thinking I was OK. And, you know, fortunately, uh, there was another one 90 minutes later. Um, so I was grateful for that. Um, it, it's in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus uh, lays out for us a vision of what it looks to like to live in his kingdom. And the end of chapter seven here, he is. Uh, the way he's teaching, it's very clear. He's trying to help us to make sure that we don't miss what he's what he's saying. Um, excuse me, just a second. My door came open. Want anybody else? The dog just wandered in. So <laughs> the first time in preaching, my dog's ever wandered in. Um, <laughs> But uh, Jesus wants to make sure we don't miss this, right? Um, he's he, yes, it's a pretty weighty, uh, sobering uh, text that he's teaching about. But he's wanting a, wanting to make sure we don't simply have the idea of eternal life, but actually have it. So, uh, follow along in your Bible, Matthew seven twenty one through twenty three. Uh, when I'm done, I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and I invite you to uh, join me in saying thanks be to God. Jesus says. <clears throat> Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
on that day, day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh, Bland, this this really sounds like a real Christmassy sermon. So glad that the last Sunday before Christmas, <laughs> we're going to get to hear about Jesus casting people out. Um, but but I, I don't want us to miss this. Um, what is Christmas about? Christmas is is not about you know warm fuzzies and family and and and, and good simply good feelings. It's ultimately about Jesus Christ being born into this world, living a sinless life, dying in our place on a cross, so we can actually have eternal life. And so here's the question. Do you think Jesus cares if we actually have eternal life or we simply think we have eternal life? There's a huge difference in that, right? Huge difference between actually having eternal life and simply thinking you have it. So this this really does go with the purpose of, of what Christmas is about. Um, how awful would it be for, for Jesus to look at us and go, you know what? The most important thing right now is you feel good. Uh, he he wants us to feel good, but he wants us to feel good about truth and not simply our own own self deception, which is what's happening in this text. So, uh, the big idea for today is uh, a confession of faith in Jesus is only real when when an inward encounter with him inspires outward behavior for him. So it's about an inward encounter with Jesus inspiring our outward behavior for Jesus. Uh, and the two two ideas we'll see is that Jesus' teaching is we can deceive ourselves, but not Jesus. And secondly, our profession of faith in Jesus is real only if it's marked by obedience to Jesus. So let's look at the first one. We can deceive ourselves. This is the, kind of a, a significant point right here, right? Um, human beings have an unbelievable ability to deceive ourselves. Um, you know, I, I, I had to look it up because I wasn't sure it was still on, but uh, American Idol is in like season 67 now or something. And, um, you know, I haven't watched it in a long time, but, you know, it was a big deal when it when it came out. And, and I know many of you uh, probably watched it as well. And the early episodes were really interesting because they would travel around the country and they would do these auditions. And, you know, they bring these people in who would just sing like angels and you're just like oh my gosh like they're, they're going to be a huge star but at the same time they would bring people in who thought they sang like angels but sounded like demons being choked to death um and the, the thing that drove us crazy about it is these people were really convinced they could sing right they they were they had such confidence they would walk into the room and they'd be like oh I'm so excited that you get to hear me today. And, you know, I, I just know that I'm going to really enjoy being on the show. And, you know, and they start singing. And it's not just that they're a little off. It's like they're so far off. It's horrible. There's actually a guy, um, some of you may remember him, but he made an entire living off of being so terrible. His name was William Hung. Um, and <laughs> He, uh, he he actually produced an album of terrible songs, um, which it was funny. You know, this was comedy. Um, but what was sad is these people, you know, sometimes as they were being told to leave, they would be like, no, 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 let me try again. I just was, you know, my voice was a little cold or something. And the justice would be like, no, 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 it wasn't. <laughs> you, you need help. <laughs> uh, like lots of help. Um, our ability to deceive ourselves is staggering. And Jesus loves us way too much to not draw attention to this, um, especially because the implications couldn't be bigger, right? 
So Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So, so calling on him is not enough. And he goes, he says, on that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, do many mighty works in your name? And I'll declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So it's interesting, this repetition, these people, they say, Lord, Lord, it's a, it's a, a demonstration of their devotion to, to Jesus. These were, uh, these were fervent religious workers, right? They had accomplished many things in Jesus's name. Uh, they, they cited these things as proof that they had a right to enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, but interestingly enough, if you look at these things and you weigh them against scripture and what Jesus says are, are, are good, even in the Sermon on the Mount are good things. Uh, these are the, what they cite are very visible charismatic activities, things that people would see and people would give them credit for, right? Um, and, and, you know, thing in the Sermon on the Mount, if you remember, Jesus was, was talking about generosity and he says, you know, don't, don't be generous in front of everyone so that you'll get applauded, but be generous quietly so that, you know, and, and, and your father who sees what you do in secret will reward you. And, and the point there is, you know, uh, it's interesting. These people don't say, you know, Hey, Jesus, we spent three hours a day praying quietly, silently to ourselves for the lost, for, you know, injustice, for all these things. No, they cited very, very visible activities, which let's face it. They had probably gotten a lot of accolades for. Oh, look what they did. They cast out demons. Oh, look what they did. They prophesied. And the problem is they were looking for a temporary reward and not the eternal reward. Uh, that comes only through Christ. And the fact is they were so busy doing things for Jesus that they missed the fact that they didn't know Jesus. Um, one pastor from last century said this, said it this way, said, grace will bring a man to heaven without working miracles, but working miracles will never bring a man to heaven without grace. So you can do miraculous things, but that's not the, the actual uh, evidence of your salvation. So he says something really really harsh to these people. He says, I never knew you. Now, this doesn't mean Jesus didn't know or Jesus wasn't aware of them, right? Um, but Jesus uses this term to, to refer to knowledge. It's a, it's a personal, intimate knowledge. He says, I never knew you. Um, and in John, he talks about this, the shepherd knows his sheep and his sheep know him. Uh, this word to know is actually the word used to used in a very intimate relationship, referring to even to marriage. Um, so this isn't mere information about it is personal experience of, um, you know, we can know a lot about someone and not know them. You know, I know uh, I know for, I know a lot of facts about Will Ferrell. Um, I know Will Ferrell was born July 16, 1967. I know that he and I are about the same height. I know that he got his big break on Saturday Night Live, and uh, where I think he gave the best impersonation of President George W. Bush that has ever been done. Um, I know that he starred in Elf, which is my favorite Christmas movie, probably the best Christmas movie. Um, I know he's been married for 20 years. I know he has three children. I know that a few years ago, uh, he said hi to me when he walked by me at Fenway, and it was likely the highlight of his trip to Boston. Um, <laughs> the fact is, I you can know a lot about someone. I know a lot about Will Ferrell, but I know Teresa Mason, and there's a huge difference in that. In this case, Jesus is saying people know these people knew about me enough to go out and do things in my name, right? But they didn't know me, and I didn't know them. 
You see, Jesus is a king and knows his subjects. If the king doesn't know you, you aren't one of his subjects. So how do you know if you know if Jesus knows you? Well, Jesus can't know you and you not know him, right? Uh, so do you know the heart of Jesus? Do you know the depth of his love for you? Do, do you know his grace? Have you experienced his grace? Um, do you know Jesus in your family relationships, in your work, in your friendship, in your plans, uh, in your hopes and dreams about the future? We can't truly, can't truly call Jesus king if our lives don't reflect that profession. Uh, to these people, Jesus doesn't know uh, and who really don't know him. He says that the most painful words that will ever be heard from anyone. You stop and think about this. These were people. These were not people who were um, hiding out. Uh, you know, these weren't um, atheists who were out in our culture, thumbing their nose at God. Uh, these were people who were in church. These these are people who today are, are watching a live feed somewhere or sitting in a church somewhere. Uh, this is the kind of people they were. But Jesus says, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Uh, these people who are are religious, um, these are people who are um, doing good things, right? But their hearts are full of sin. And, and you know, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus refers to these people. They're hypocrites. Um, they're, they're people who, who, who may not kill anybody outside, out, you know, physically, but they kill people in their hearts. So the, the sins these people are guilty of are the ones that are easy to hide, like hate, greed, lust, pride, selfishness, uh, and envy. These people were deceiving themselves. Probably the best example in all of scripture in this is Judas. Right. Judas was with Jesus three years. He when when Jesus sent the disciples out to preach, he went out and preached. He was with Jesus. He supported Jesus's ministry. Right. Um, but in the end, he was never truly a disciple. Uh, so so Jesus is wanting us to see that we have the ability to deceive ourselves, but we can't deceive Jesus. The second idea that Jesus wants us to see here is our profession of faith in him is really only if it is marked by obedience to him. So our, our profession of faith in Jesus is real only if it's marked by obedience to Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that we're saved by what we do. It just simply means what we do reflects that we are saved. Uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says this interesting phrase, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. So what does that mean here? I mean, doesn't, you know, these people confess Lord, Lord. I mean, Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So, you know, were these people not, you know, not fulfilling that text? Well, I think even Romans is connecting what we profess with our mouths with actually our hearts, believing in our heart, right? Words are not enough. You can say Jesus is Lord, but that doesn't mean you're surrendered to him as Lord. You can say Jesus is my king, but it doesn't mean you're acting and living out that Jesus is your king. You see, Jesus isn't after what you can do for him. He's after you and what you do for him is meant to always flow out of that what he's done for you uh, and never be a substitute for it. And the problem with these people is they were focused on these doing these things for Jesus, but not knowing Jesus being in Jesus. So um, our profession of faith in Jesus is real only if 
it, it only if it is marked by obedience to Jesus. So what does it mean when Jesus says the will of God here? The will of the Father, those who do the will of the Father. Well, you can fill this picture out biblically. Uh, John 6, 29, Jesus says, uh, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. So he's referring to himself. He's saying, this is the work of God that you believe in him. And then just a little bit later in John 6, 40, Jesus says, but this is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. You see, what it boils down to is these people uh, thought that what they did was what made them right with God. And Jesus is saying, no, it's what I've done that makes you right with me. And then out of that, you do things. Uh, Believing in the sinless life, death, and resurrection of Christ is the will of God for us. If you want to know what the will of God for you is today, uh, February, sorry, I'm I'm jumping into next year, December 20th. Uh, of 2020, what is God's will for you in the middle of COVID, a lockdown, you're not seeing anyone, you know, this bizarre Christmas season. One of the absolute things I can say uh, based on scripture here is that the will of God for you is to believe in Jesus, not just believe in him out there, but to believe in him wholeheartedly. Um, Is there more to the will of God than that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But it's just like the will of adoptive parents goes way beyond the court case, the ceremony, and the legal documents, right? The the, the 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 adoptive family is not like, that's what we, you know, that's the end. That's all there is, is just, you know, the legal paperwork. No, the adoption, all that legal paperwork and the uh, process there is ultimately about bringing them in to experience something, right? The fullness of living in a family. And so the gospel and believing in Jesus is ultimately about bringing us in. And yes, there are works that flow out of that. Um, so the, for the Christian, the gospel is the means of how we can know God and live his will out in this world. This is the heart of the gospel, and the good works give evidence of our faith. They're not the substitutes for it. You know, I, I don't know if anybody got to go apple picking this year. Uh, not, not that many, uh, I'm sure. But um, imagine, you know, if you've ever been, you see, you walk up to this big, beautiful tree. And you see, you know, these huge, uh, uh, deep red apples hanging on this tree and there's lots of leaves. It, it would never occur to you to think, man, look at these beautiful apples that have made this tree healthy and good and strong. No, the apples and the leaves are not the, not, not what makes the tree strong. They are the, they are uh, the fruit of the tree. It's healthy and strong. And in the Christian life, the fruit of what we do is always meant to be about the fact that Christ is working in us uh, and then working through us. These people were interested in what they were doing um, as evidence. Paul sheds some light on this for us in Ephesians 2, the relationship between salvation and works in uh, Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. Listen to the relationship here. He says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works so that no one may boast. No, no, he says you're saved, not by works. Now listen to what he says about works. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So the idea is that we're brought into Jesus's family 
through through the work of Christ in us, grace, right? Uh, but then out of that, God has already prepared good works for us to live in, uh, live out. And so that's what it means. Jesus is saying those who do the will of God, who believe the gospel, and then who walk in the good works God has prepared for them. So it's grace, faith, and then good works. If we're trying to do good works to get God to like us, we're missing everything. And our good works are rooted in our sinful pride and our desire to earn salvation. This is this is what the people, listen to what the people were trying to say to Jesus. Look what we did for you. That's not how a person is saved. That's not how a person knows Jesus. No, because you're missing the fact that that the gospel is about what Jesus did for you, not what you did for Jesus. Uh, D.A. Carson, who's probably one of the, the greatest living um, New Testament theologians right now, said, said this. It is true, of course, that no man enters the kingdom because of his obedience. But it is equally true that no man enters the kingdom who is not obedient. It is true that men are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ. But it is equally true that God's grace in a man's life inevitably results in obedience. Any other view of grace cheapens grace and turns it into something unrecognizable. Cheap grace preaches forgiveness without repentance, church membership without rigorous church discipline, discipleship without obedience, blessing without persecution, joy without righteousness, results without obedience. So Jesus is is saying these two go hand in hand. Grace works in your life and operates. And so if you say, well, I've got grace, I've got grace. My life doesn't reflect it in any way, shape, or form, but I've got grace. Jesus is my king. Then you're lying. You're deceiving yourself. And if you're saying, I've got all these works, I've got all these things, but I'm missing grace, you're deceiving yourself. So these two things go hand in hand. Jesus is not trying to crush you today, disappoint you today, discourage you today, but encourage you to pursue and experience real eternal life. Not have some false delusion or uh, that you've convinced yourself of. The reason I can say I know this teaching is is for our joy. Is about I was about thirty and pastoring my uh, my last church just outside of Louisville, Louisville Kentucky. Uh, when when it was at the end of a Sunday sermon, and uh, it wasn't even on this text, but I just felt inspired as I was closing the sermon to share this text. And there was a man sitting there who um, was in in his late 50s. He was there most Sundays with his wife, sitting on the right side of the auditorium, about two-thirds of the way back. I can still see his face. Uh, And he was a good guy. He was there week after week, still married to the same woman he'd been married to for years. Um, But for some reason, God used that message that day to speak to him so clearly. it, It literally shook his entire life. He couldn't even talk to anyone as he left the church that day and went home. It wasn't until later he actually told me what happened. Uh, he realized that he never knew Jesus and that Jesus didn't know him. And he repented and he was baptized and he dove into God's word and to prayer with a deep passion to know Jesus. Uh, he went on actually to become a deacon in the church and for the last 10 years or so has been a lay preacher in prisons and in small churches around uh, central Kentucky. And I think back to him with joy, realizing that that message that day was not about crushing him, not about hurting him. It was about bringing him in, uh, awakening him to to his self-deception. And so, you know, today, the hope for us is that each of us would be 
more sober in our assessment, more sober about our own hearts, um, that we would long to see Jesus, only Jesus. And the question is, do you want to know him this Christmas season? Do you want to know him better? You might be thinking, I'm a wreck. Well, the good news is Jesus specializes in wrecks. You might be thinking, I'm an addict. Well, Jesus loves addicts. You might be thinking, I'm so full of pride. Well, welcome to the family. Jesus saves prideful people when they lay down their pride. You might be thinking, I've been faking it for as a Christian too long. What do people think? Well, I can tell you what my last church thought when my friend came forward and, and shared his faith and, and God changed his life. There was joy. There was just joy. And you know what it did for other people? It caused them to think about their own faith and it encouraged faith in my church. It's a great story of Jesus redeeming and bringing, bringing people into deeper joy. So as we close, I want to just challenge you to, to think through the question. Do you have assurance of your salvation? Because the invitation is available to you today. I'm going to pray. And if, uh, if God has spoken to you during this time, don't, don't keep that to yourself. Reach out to Pastor Stephen or, or, or Matt and, and let them know uh, what God is, God is saying to you. And they'll help you think through that. They'll pray with you and support you through that. Let's pray together.